Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. Today's great conversation is with Peggy Frew. Peggy is the author of House of Sticks and Hope Farm and bass player for the Melbourne band Art of Fighting. Hope Farm won the Barbara Jeffries Award and was shortlisted for the Stella and Miles Franklin Prizes. In today's great conversation, she'll be discussing her latest novel, Islands. I'm Andrew Popel, and every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. Final Draft explores the best of Australia's books, writing, and literary culture, and each week we feature an Australian writer exploring their latest work. The Great Conversations podcast is a chance to hear more of these discussions and get into the books that you love. Can you help us share the Great Conversations podcast with more book lovers? When you recommend us to friends, not only do they get to discover new books, but you get someone to talk literature with. Just by hitting subscribe, a great new episode will arrive every week, introducing you to new Australian authors. Peggy Frew's Islands is the story of a family. Helen and John, their daughters June and Anna, a family who, like any other, they love, they quarrel, they're not perfect, but they're not perfect in the ways that you can only be with loved ones. And then one night, 15-year-old Anna doesn't return home and the family's lives are forever changed. I am extremely happy to welcome to the studio right now Peggy Frew. Peggy is the author of House of Sticks and Hope Farm. And Hope Farm, if you remember, amongst its accolades, it won the Barbara Jeffries Award and was shortlisted for the Stella and Miles Franklin Prizes. Today, we are going to be discussing her latest novel, Islands. Welcome, Peggy. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. Uh, it is It is great to discuss this. I confessed off air, I know I've enjoyed a novel when I write too many questions. So <laughs> let's let's have a look at Islands. Now, Islands is a story of a family, Helen and John, their daughters June and Anna, a family who, who, like any other, they love and they quarrel and they're not perfect in the ways that you can only be with loved ones. And then one night, 15-year-old Anna doesn't return home and the family's lives are inexorably defined by that moment, sort of forevermore. Now, I guess when we start thinking about a novel like that, A Missing Person, it evokes a tangle of literary possibilities. I mean, if it was a fantasy novel, we might be launched on a heroic quest. Crime fiction would take us into a hunt for clues. But what then is reality of a life where we, we cannot rely on this, this certainty that the story is going to somehow work it all out? That, I think, not that I knew what I was doing when I was writing the book, but I actually think that's what I really wanted to look at was to try and really imagine myself into uh the life or the lives because the book is written from multiple perspectives of people who have really had the rug pulled out from under them in that everything they thought they knew and understood um, has been taken away from them by this disappearance of of this girl, Anna. So um, I I think I'm, I'm not a crime writer and I... And it's not a crime novel. Absolutely not. And and I'm certainly not a, fa- a writer of fantasy. And I am just really interested in – I'm really interested in real life and I'm really interested in relationships. And I suppose story um, and plot tend to be secondary for me when I start something. I always start with a kind of just a feeling and uh, and characters generally and a, and, and a place. And um, so I knew it was going to be really a book about – loss um sounds so cheery doesn't it um loss but about characters people who have lost something and what that does to your mind and to yourself over time and also the ways in which the characters are themselves lost 
And we, we, yeah, not specifically the girl who's lost, but the ones left behind by her, the ways in which they feel lost in their own lives. And I guess we see that play out structurally in the novel and in the ways that each of the characters search. I mean, one thing that, that comes to mind is while this isn't a crime novel, we see John, Anna's dad, play out elements of that sort of crime story where he, he becomes a detective and it, it sort of drives him into some very difficult places. Mm. Yeah, so I, fortunately, um, touch wood, have never had someone go missing on me. Um, and when I set out to write this book, at some point I realised what a serious thing it was to try and depict something that I didn't know about. So I knew that I – or that, that an experience that I didn't own myself, so I really knew that I had to work very hard to do it justice. And I, I sort of the, – the different characters would – kind of come to me at different times and I would just try and go really deeply into what for that particular person the experience of losing Anna felt like and um, going into the mind of John. You know, people often say that each character in a book is some, there's some element of the author in it and I really, when I was spending time with each of these characters in the writing, I uh, there were elements of myself that, um, you know, I could, I could really connect with the way that John reacted with, you know, that I imagine that I could easily become totally obsessed and not be able to let go of the notion of being able to solve a problem and find an answer to a question. Um, so I, because I'm quite obsessive, um, you know, I could completely understand how somebody could reach the point where their own life was unravelling because they were so hell-bent on trying to, trying to grasp something that actually is outside of their reach. Mm. And we weave between stories and times. Uh, the first section is, is islands. Mm-hmm. The second section, we're in the city and the characters. And, and we, you really challenge us as the reader to understand the connections that we make, the connections that we abandon. I was actually brought to mind, perhaps this was something to do with the title and, and the way the characters play out, the, the John Donne poem that's often quoted, No Man is an Island. Mm. Uh, and I'm going to misquote it here because, of course, we have, have a s- strong female protagonists. Anna's death is, is both sort of minimised and exalted by her family as they try to come to terms with it. And again, I thought about this sort of central motif of the poem uh, where Donne says, any woman's death diminishes me because I am involved in womankind. Mm. Um, Again, apologies. To yeah, no, no, that's... So Anna's, Anna's vivid throughout the novel, despite her absence, and her life draws the others together despite themselves because they're lessened not having her there. I was wondering what you were thinking about as you were you were writing and crafting some of these motifs around islands. Oh, that's... Well, I, I have... I'd never actually thought about looking at that poem and thinking about it, but it's actually... It, it resonates really beautifully, doesn't it? Um, so I suppose that this this really is a universal theme then the 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 idea that what makes people people ultimately is our connections with each other Mm. um so the idea of the so when i when i decided to write this book i i personally have a, a lifelong association with an island um an island off the coast of victoria where i my family owned a house and i spent my holidays there as a child and then all through my adolescence and into my 20s. And then um, by a remarkable coincidence, my now partner, when I met him, 
also had a house on the same island, but on the other side of the island. And so um, the, the the home that belonged to my my family, my family of origin, um, no longer belongs to our family, but now I have my own house there that's my partner's and mine, and now we take our children there. Um, and so I, I had, you know, after I'd finished Hope Farm and I was thinking what I was going to write about next, um, I started chatting with Mick, my partner, about, if, you know, I want to kind of – it's actually stuff I'd written about in the past about the island um, because I think that, that my childhood kind of impressions of being in that landscape was so strong and it just felt like a place where I needed to write a book that was about childhood in large part um, uh, and about, you know, how our childhoods kind of stay with us throughout our lives. And uh, so I, I was saying to Mick, I kind of think I'm going to go back to this material on the island. And he said, well, you know, it's actually a very um, – precious kind of thing to have a lifelong association with the one place and to mm-hmm. keep returning to the same landscape and and interacting with it as it changes through time or doesn't change. You know, there are mm-hmm. some things that just don't change. Like I can go back to the beach of my childhood and it really – uh, things do change because the coast erodes a bit and sand moves around on beaches. So sometimes there are rocks exposed in one area and sometimes there aren't. But then also there are – you know, the sand has the same texture that I can remember mm-hmm. – you know, crawling around on as a baby, and um, the colours and the the um, shapes of the leaves on the trees, and and just the the general sort of um, appearance of the beach um, remains unchanging. But then also relating to that landscape as you change yourself mm. throughout your life and the different ways you feel about it, and um, yeah. So Mick sort of said something you could really use in mm. your writing, and that was kind of where. The, the idea of the island as the setting came. And then when I started, I knew it was going to be about this family that very much sort of falls apart. And so these images, these ideas of fragments and of drift, drift, people drifting away from each other, I kind of thought, okay, in the first draft, I just gave myself permission to absolutely go to town with all the kind of island metaphors and island imagery. And then I did sort of pull it back a bit because I didn't want to lay it on too thick. But it's a pretty kind of... Um, uh, powerful uh, sort of symbol, the island. You know, there's so much that you can kind of uh, go into in terms of its significance as a, a, a as a metaphor for people's experiences of isolation or connection, you know, and, and also the fact that the island, the island of my life that I used uh, as the um, uh, kind of um, basis for the setting of this book it's in a bay, so it's got a quiet, sheltered side, you know, yeah. and then it's got an island side that's really wild. It gets all the weather and has big beaches with big cliffs and stuff, and then, you know, the bay side is the sort of gentle, protected, sheltered side with the small beaches. So, you know, one side representing the shelter mm. of childhood and the other side is representing moving into adulthood and being unable to sort of ignore certain things. Yeah. Mm. Sounds beautiful. I, I guess also that, that idea of having a touchstone reflects very tragically with the story of Anna because throughout we see her unchanging and we we see experiments from Helen from John from Junie to to try and find out who she might have been and mm. they they seek her and they they're always observing and observation was something I really wanted to ask you about mm. Because it permeates the novel and there are these various ways of seeing and ways of of being as the characters try to 
try to understand what's happening for them. One that struck me was June's paintings. They're rendering these timeless moments through the story and inviting, well, they invited me as a reader to explore another aspect of June and Anna's relationship. Because, of course, when we look at a painting, we're, we're seeing so much, but we have to understand it. We don't, we don't always have words. You've given us paintings in words, but then we have to go back and forth as moments reveal themselves. Can you tell me about creating these works? The, the sections of de- where they describe the paintings? Yeah, or just, yeah. just creating a, a word painting. Yeah. I, I I actually think I came at that with a little bit of bravado and didn't think too deeply about it because I think if I'd thought too much about it, I might have got scared that, you know, because people talk about what's that line where people say that talking about music or writing about music is like dancing about architecture or mm. whatever, you know, just this, that idea of trying to... trying to. I've met architects that need to dance, so <laughs> I'm glad you did this. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that. Um, I think that it's something that might not have necessarily worked, but I, I actually think the reason that I did... So there are two sections in the book that are just descriptions of collections of paintings that uh, were painted by June, the main character, um, and uh, it, it just they describe what the paintings look like and what's going on in them um, because they're generally, they have people in them and, and they are about June's childhood and about Anna and about her family. Um, I think actually my reason for doing it was to know more about June for myself. So I just think that it was part of building her up as a character and trying to understand her you know like I really never know where I'm going with a book and I I think I write it to figure out what I'm trying to say or or to investigate something that I'm interested in and try and find more out about it and so I suppose I wanted to find out more about June about what it's like to grow up as one of two children and find yourself the only one left at some point to have the other child not be there anymore um and I suppose I suppose also that the book is about, yeah, as a kind of echo or parallel of the fact that I write to figure out what I'm trying to say and to try and make sense of certain things. I suppose June paints to try and make sense of things and so her paintings are about her trying to make sense of of what happened in her family. Mm. So I guess June was just doing what I'm doing. <laughs> we were doing it side by side as I was writing it. In terms of actually describing the paintings, it, I just kind of could see them in my mind, so I just described them. Um, That's brilliant. Yeah, so I don't, I can't, <laughs> which is always a funny thing because I have no idea what they look like in the minds of other people. They might look very different. but. Mm. Mm. So the paintings, June's paintings are an act of interpretation. It's her mm. trying to understand her life without Anna, her life with Anna, her family. I wondered also about self-interpretation and the the acts of performance that we go through and the scripts that we follow to help us get through days and interactions. And this jumped out at me, uh, a character that, that flashes past, Ryan, mm-hmm. um, and he, he has a specific line about the script he's following with his friends. But it, it made me think about Anna. It made me think about June, how these scripts, we use them to protect us. We use them to experiment with ways of being. And I wondered then also, and I'm thinking broadly about Helen here particularly, Mm -hmm. without giving too much away, what these scripts do to protect us and what they can also do to harm us. 
Oh, that is a really good question, and it's a really big one, though. Um, I think Fortunately, there's a 300-page novel <laughs> people can read to right, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to get a better idea of what I think about that. I, 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 something that I noticed that that came up in the in the sort of book, the form as it emerged, you know, the the, the structure and the way that the different sections were written, because I, different sections to me felt that they needed to be written in quite different styles. So, you know, there's the lists of paintings and then then there's more something like the story about Ryan, who's a boy who goes to the same school as Junie and Anna and observes them from the outside, but he doesn't actually really know them. I mean, he has an encounter with Anna, but, um, you know, that's written far more as a sort of almost contained story, you know, in a, like a conventional short story. And then there are other sections that are just um, one half of a conversation or a list of presents given that the family gives or doesn't give to each other at Christmas and the food that they eat and just, just lines of dialogue written a bit like a screenplay or something. So it just, they they all kind of, um, they kept presenting themselves to me as different ways of kind of approaching the material from different angles. But also something that I noticed kept coming up was repetition and um, I suppose that does relate a bit to what you're saying about the idea of a script or a kind of... Um, structure for living and approaching things and um, I I think I'm not quite sure what I think it just arrived and it does relate somehow to what I'm what I was trying to investigate but I'm not quite sure that whether I can really put it in words it's so hard to describe what you've done. Um, I think. Let me think. I think, as a reader, it's such a, a worthwhile journey to take, mm. and structurally, it's it's absolutely fantastic. As we move from very fragmented beginnings, where we're jumping between narrative points mm. of view, and you bring us through to more cohesive sections where we we maintain a point of view for longer periods. Mm which feels a little bit like a, a sorting out, a, a figuring out. But, of course, you know, given the, the, the tragedy at the centre of the book, it's, it's never going to be a complete wholeness or resolution. Yeah, and I suppose that's that, that sort of you're kind of doing a better job of answering your question before about saying that about the idea of scripts and repetition. And um, I really did want to – I wanted to try so much to just build up this portrait of a family and the, and the peripheral characters around that family that that felt real. And and real life is kind of – it's so open-ended, you know, and there's no – well, apart from when you get to the end and, and, and die, there's no kind of um, point at which you say, right, here I am and all the questions have been answered and I know everything and, you know – I've I've done my job of being a person. It's and it can kind of blow your mind. And so I suppose the idea I, I was interested in, you know, they're really quite big sort of mind boggling concepts that are really hard to pin down and put into words. But when somebody disappears and you don't know what happened to them, I could imagine that you suddenly face an absolute uh absolutely unlimited range of possibilities because you start thinking well maybe she went for a walk and she went into the bush and she fell down you know fell somewhere and no one's ever found her or she fell down a ravine you know maybe she was kidnapped maybe she committed suicide and and each one of these could happen in so many different ways so it sort of splinters off into these just 
just limitless multiples, which I did try to sort of write about right at the very end of the book. I have so many more questions to ask you, Peggy, <laughs> but I have noticed I have noticed the time. So we might have to save it for another day, maybe when you're back for Sydney Writers Festival. Sounds good. <laughs> I am speaking with Peggy Frew. She is the author of Islands. It is her third, it's her most recent novel. It is absolutely fantastic. Thank you for coming into 2SER, Peggy. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. That's it for this great conversation with Peggy Frew. Peggy's latest novel is Islands, and it's out now through Alan and Unwin. Great Conversations is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation at 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. To keep up with the latest in books, writing and literary culture, follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just look for at Final Draft 2SER. And click subscribe in your podcast app to get great new conversations every week. My name is Andrew Popel and I will be back next week with more Great Conversations from Final Draft. Till then, happy reading.